You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. Hi there, just a quick haters podcast from Chancellor Pink. I called it the haters podcast because it's inspiring hatred in us all, this particular podcast. Not really, not really. I'm joking a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to be accused of that perhaps by the three listeners I have. So I wanted to warn them, all one and a half of them, that, oh, I just lost up. Okay, I'm alone again. Here, shh, talk to yourself. Talk to the hand with a mirror in it. Okay, I wanted to say things that nobody says. You know, the only people that say some of the things I say are maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene. But she doesn't say what I say, but she's... You know, you have the point is you have the crazies out there who say hateful things that are, you know, just really based in ignorance. And they, of course, become very popular because there are a lot of stupid people that believe those kind of either crazy, conspiratorial or fall out in a full out untrue, hateful things. And then, of course, you have the people on the left to take them all down. Cancel culture comes out rightfully so to take down the lies. But in the middle people like me who say some things that the people on the left will go, that's hateful, take him down, cancel culture, cancel culture. And people on the right would go, yeah, kind of, sort of, maybe, but also worse than that, Martians are involved and Jewish lasers. So I don't know. It's kind of like, <laughs> I, I kind of view my form of, let's call it racism or hate, whatever you want to call it, as just kind of being reality. And I know everybody thinks it's reality. The, the, the blacks who think they're being persecuted every minute of the day, they think that's reality, you know. And the Confederate flag-waving uh, white supremacists, they think that their view has been born of reality. But I'm uniquely uh, capable of talking about certain issues because I've lived in the vanilla world, uh, vanilla meaning mixed in with all creatures great and small as a white man during a period of time where the left would have you believe that nothing has happened progressive to help women or minorities. And the right uh, feel supremely oppressed by this period of time. Stirring up even more anger, anger and bringing back even more of their heritage, their hateful heritage from generations before. Um, and I, but, 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 you know, I think what we really, what's the bigger problem in today's culture than racism? And I mean this. What's, a, what's the bigger problem is an inability to talk about issues um, if they offend the left. I mean, the left is famous for uh, being able to talk about and express, you know, the truth, that even if it's uncomfortable. Um, and for years, they used that gift um, to ferret out racists and shame them and, you know, ferret out the patriarchy and the male dominance and shame them. And they used the left leading more liberal people used their gifts up to to make the culture more progressive for everyone, to make America more free, to make it more integrated, to make it more um, 
so that everybody to make it more equal, so that everybody had an equal opportunity. Um, the problem is, in so doing, they develop sort of their own kind of cult. And this is something Bill Maher talks about a lot. And I'm not a big fan of his at all anymore. But, I mean, I think he's right on this, which is, you know, the, the, the politically correct bent. Or as, uh, as the Re- Republicans call it, the illiberal left. Um, the left-leaning people who are intolerant of differences, unless it's the difference that is the sanctioned difference, which is women, minorities, et cetera, you know, handicaps, whatever, is to hit gays and lesbians and trans and whatever's the thing of the day, you have to be for that. Not only do you have to be for that, you have to be, you know, intensely for it. You have to prefer it over yourself if you're a white male. Um, or you will be shamed or called a racist or called homophobic or called something else and um, misogynist. Um, and I think I think there are perspectives uh, from people who aren't women on women that are valid. I think there are people who are white who have perspectives on black people that are valid, that are worth hearing. That just because they say something critical of a black person doesn't mean it's racist. That just because they say something that may be critical of a woman doesn't mean they're a misogynist. I think that we've reached a point where if the left is controlling the agenda, then it just you just have to be a bleeding heart extreme leftist or you will be stoned. And of course, if the right is controlling the agenda, you just have to be terrified because they are just fascists and authoritarian and bullies and true hate mongers when they control you see it come out full color colors waving but now we're back the pendulum is swung back the other way with the left in full control currently and i turn on my tv after a year of covid so not a lot of things have been made not a lot of actors have been working not a lot of new movies and stuff is out there. It's harder to get films made right now still, and it has been now for almost a year. So that's part of the problem. But I look at the nominations for Golden Globes, for example, but also I just look at the new movies coming out regu- regularly on Netflix. And Prime, again, these are like the only real sources we have now of entertainment <laughs> without the, with the inability to go to the theater still for many of us. And what I see is so many movies where the leads are black or the leads are female or the leads are black females or the leads are gay or a lead main character is gay. And I don't just mean gay as a subject matter, but overtly effeminately gay. And I feel tired of it. (laughs) And I want to say that. And I don't want to be called racist or et cetera for being tired of it. See, there's another part of being human that some of us have, and especially conservatives, but I have it, and I'm not a conservative, but I do have it, and that's the love of history, the love of the past, the love of the way things were when they were good. We, we all of us have moments of nostalgia, and we can smell a certain smell or eat a certain piece of food or whatever and remember, oh, I remember mom used to make this or I used to, you know, drive by on a vacation and smell this in the air or, you know, whatever. A good time and you remember it and you associate it with something. But there's also, you know, just history and patterns. Uh, uh, some people love to go to mass, not because they're, 
you know, fascist, hate-mongering, Christian right, radical lunatics, but because they just like the ritual, the ritual of the mass, the kneeling and the standing and the chanting, and the, they, they're comforted by stability. And a lot of things that were there when you were young and have been there through the years growing up provide you a sense of stability. And yet we understand at the same time that change is inevitable and also necessary. But it doesn't mean we can't miss what we used to have. And so when I grew up, of course, you had your black movies. Because here's the number one thing I want to make clear again to, to everybody out there on the left who thinks like we just live in this racist society. I'm 54. Every single year of my life that I've been in existence, women and blacks and minorities have been given a fair shake in everything I've seen. In fact, many have gotten jobs over me. Many have gotten promoted over me. I see preferential treatment being given to women and blacks in 54 years of my life. So when we talk about racism, we're talking about people that are all dead now because, for the, I mean, for the most part. If you're talking about it to the extreme that a lot of the leftists act, you're talking about years ago when all of us were dead. No, none of us were here. Everybody that, you're, that was involved in that shit is dead, long since dead. Now, you can pass on bad traditions, but the reality of the matter is in the United States, you know, since the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964, We've had a, we've had a, the people here, women have had voting rights since then, they had them before that, and they've, and the, and the minorities have been respected in their laws, and there's been affirmative action, and so on and so forth. Now, the one group that has a shorter run are the gays, and certainly trans now are just breaking in, so they could complain more about the recency of a lot of the shit coming at them, because that, when I was growing up in the 70s, and even into the 80s, gays were still thought of as not necessarily really gay, like maybe they were learned to be gay, maybe it was a sin. I mean, we didn't accept, this culture as a whole in America hadn't fully accepted gays as being, you know, a legitimate way you were born and should therefore not be something that you're uh, treated different for. I mean, it's just who you are. Um, one of the arguments I used to think of, make in my head when I was young was that, okay, I accept gays, but... It's different, and why, are, why should they celebrate it like the gay pride? If I was born with one leg, am I going to go, one leg march, let's go, we're, we're the best people in the world because we have one leg? Or will you just say, yeah, please love me and treat me right and treat me normal and, and, and try to overlook, don't make me feel bad for this uh, defect I have. Um, don't hold it against me, I'm still a human being. And that's the way I used to think of gays uh, was, you know, it's a defect. I mean, people are supposed to like the opposite sex. People are supposed to procreate. We are animals that are born to, with the idea of procreating. And the sexual attraction between the genders is a natural thing. And so if you don't have that, you're broken a little bit. And therefore, you're different and in a defective way. And you should be respected, certainly, as a human being and treated fine and treated respectfully. But not celebrated and not promoted. Um, and then uh, as culture moved along and we learned more about gays and they became more promoted, I just gave up that argument. I still kind of believe in it, but it just, I guess it sounds bad now to say being born gay is a defect. That sounds like a mean thing to say, you know. But, but what I don't like and I've had gay people say this to me over the years, and I mean like 20 years ago they said it. So again, they've had strength for a while. They've had a voice for quite a while. But I had them say to me, uh, I think 50% of the men are gay and the other 50% just don't know it yet. And they meant it. 
I had a gay man tell me that, and he meant it. And he was an intelligent man. He wasn't a, an idiot. He believed that. And I had a different gay man who was uh, promiscuous uh, tell me that he believes that marriage and, and fidelity was just human beings setting up something so they can violate it because that we really, really like cheating and we really like being unfaithful. And so we set up these supposedly accepted uh, statuses to, to, that we're all supposed to strive for because we really can't wait to violate it. It's fun and exciting. And he, con he considered you know, heterosexuality to be similar. Like that's a, a status that mankind has pretended is the real norm so that we could violate it with homosexual acts. Uh, you know, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I don't like people telling me that. I don't believe that that is the law of nature. I believe the law of nature is still heterosexuality. I believe that is normalcy. And I believe if you're born gay, you were born different. I wouldn't call it a defect anymore. It's just different. And the point, but the point is, you know, it disturbs me that we have to treat you just, just as wonderful as, as everyone without noting that you're the one that's different. You're still the minority, black people. You're still uh, uh, the weaker gender women physically. You still... Had you been, how, let's go back into dinosaur times or whatever time when might was physical strength was the key to survival as human beings. If women had the lead position in things back then, the, we'd be extinct. Human beings would be extinct. You know, men became the primary gender of, of power in positions of power, lead of the family, and then that evolved into head of household, head of boss, you know, workplace because of their physical strength. Obviously, obviously. I mean, that's where it came from. It just was the natural progression of the leader. The leader became the leader because of the physical strength. And then as things evolved into more, less strength-driven functions, they still maintained their leadership because they were already in the position of leadership. And certainly, yes, they had the threat of the physical strength hanging over their leadership to intimidate, to hold on to that power, too. Sure. And maybe that was bad, and that's bullying and whatever, and we can get into it a little bit and into a reasonable discussion in that regard. But at the same time, let's not pretend like men weren't in charge because they earned it first by their strength, by being, just by being born stronger. That's earned. I mean, you're born to be at a level where you can handle something the woman can't, so you handle it. She, therefore, hands over the reins to you because most things that needed done in the early days involved that kind of strength and behavior, whether it was farming or you know, building a house or anything or killing you know, a lion that's coming to eat your family. I mean, at the end of the day, the men had more of the... Uh, the physical uh, attributes necessary to take care of surviving in culture and main and thriving. And by the way, they have the penis, which is the one that goes in the woman's vagina and spurts out the sperm that causes the birth. Yes, it's a two-way street to, to make children, but it's the man who is the actor, the man who is the aggressor. Now men today are afraid to take their penis out, let alone ever get it near a woman, because my God, it could be they could find out 10 years later that the woman who fucked them five times a day for five years just was faking it the whole time because she was terrified. And every single time was rape or some such bullshit. So, <laughs> but 
but but back in the olden days when a man had the penis and he put it out and women understood it's time to take it because of the power. It was the power structure. But now it's gotten so much more complex to the point where the man is supposed to be ashamed of his penis. He's never allowed to use it. And he's never allowed to be in a position of power where it's unfair. And nothing that we've earned, we're allowed to keep. It has to be taken away from us. And on and on and on with the extreme, absurd, radical viewpoints that we, if we're left-leaning, have to accept as truth. Or we are shunned and disgraced and called bad names. But that's another discussion, getting into the real politics of it all. And I don't want to give the impression that I don't feel there are no legitimate arguments still for minorities to make or women to make about how they are still being oppressed in some ways. Obviously, they are. Obviously, there will always be aspects of culture when all of us are still oppressed. All of us, including white men. We will never get to a place as human beings where all of us human beings are not in some form or another, in some environment or another, oppressed still regardless of gender, regardless of race. So certainly the same is true for women and blacks. And sometimes because they're black or they're a minority or they're gay or they're, or they're a woman, that's why they're being oppressed sometimes. Sure, sure. But sometimes nowadays, because I'm white, I'm oppressed. Sometimes nowadays, because I'm a man, I'm being oppressed. That's true too. That's true too. And I'm not talking about reverse racism. I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about racist black people. I see a lot of them. I see a lot of them, especially in sports discussions, where you just have a discussion about uh, a battle between, let's say, T.J. Watt, a white defender, and Aaron Donald, a black defender, who should have won Defensive Player of the Year, and you notice a lot of black people who really shouldn't give a shit about it, have no you know, dog in the hunt or whatever. Um, getting very worked up in support of Aaron Donald, the black man. And, or, for example, the Pitt basketball team currently in Pittsburgh, uh, they hired a black coach, Jeff Capel, uh, and he had great credentials and we all had great hope for him. And now we're into his third season and I, for one, am starting to conclude that he's not a very good coach. He recruits pretty good. Not even great. I'm a little, he had a very disappointing recruiting class last year, actually. But he had a good one this year, although he already lost one of his big recruits because the, the player was a thug and stole a car and put a, uh, a stolen plate on it and everything. <laughs> his freshman kid, Hugley. I mean, so, um, so how good of a recruiter is he if he recruits people like that and doesn't even know about their backgrounds or give a shit? Um, his recruiting class, Capel's recruiting class, stunk last year. And his freshman year, it was okay. It was pretty good. But even one of those three big players that he recruited, he you know left the program after last year because he didn't feel like he was being utilized correctly. So, I mean, is, is that a great coach who comes in and already has one of his top recruits leave the program? And then the next year, one of his top recruits is arrested for stealing a car and converting stolen property, et cetera? as an 18-year-old kid is doing that kind of shit? I mean, are you a great coach if that's the kind of players you bring to, to, to the Pitt basketball program? And also, how about they never win any games? Now, this year they started winning some games. You started thinking, there they go, and they collapse again. And then they had one comeback win recently against Virginia Tech, ranked team. And I thought, okay, I'll give them another chance. And I watched them play Virginia yesterday, and they stunk. 
People say they played tough, they stayed in the game. They stunk. And the main way they stink is the way Capel's teams all stink, which is they give up wide-open three-point shots, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And the other team makes a lot of them because they're so fucking wide open. Because however Capel's teaching them to play defense, he's always they, they're somehow always forgetting the perimeter guys. They pass, pass, and there's a wide-open perimeter guy. I mean, they're not even diving in their faces. You know how they'll run up and stick a hand up and sort of leap last second? They're not even getting with that. They're just saying, fuck it. We're 20 feet away. It's a wide-open shot with nobody near them and nobody even running towards them. And they get the other, the opposite team gets them every game, multiple times, every single game. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely based on their coaching, how they're playing defense. They're getting ball screened off of things way too much. They're collapsing down way too much. And they're leaving wide-open three-point shooters way too much. And Capel's not winning, and he's losing to inferior teams because of three-point shooting. Every team has their best game ever behind the three-point arc against Pitt. I wonder why. Anyway, point is, you're not allowed to say anything about Jeff Capel because he's black. I made a comment on Twitter. I don't have any followers hardly on Twitter. I made a comment that I'm, you know, I'm losing. I don't like Jeff Capel. And some black guy found it somehow because I dared to say something negative against Jeff Capel and tweeted a response to me with a picture of a black guy making a shocked, like, weird face, like, what the fuck's wrong with you with all these question marks? And the definite implication is, are you racist? How could you say Jeff Capel? He's great. He's great. He's great. He's Duke. Duke. He's the greatest ever. He's great. You know, you're just not allowed to say anything. And I guarantee a lot of that's because he's black. And these are black people that are saying that. And that, my friend, is racism. That's racism. That's not reverse racism. That's not me accusing black people of reverse racism. No, that's black people that are racist because they're judging someone based on their race. That's what racism is. They're judging someone, me, because I'm white, negatively, because I dared say something against a black person. And they're judging a black person, Capel, positively because he's black. It's racism. They're making statements and actions and tweets <laughs> based upon race. They're assessing people based upon race, whether it's the speaker, me, the tweeter, or the coach or player or actor. And it's, I hate it because I've never done that, you know, and I really like good actors and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll praise someone that's a great actor when I find them. And I don't really, I really don't think about their great black actor. You know, when Denzel Washington came onto the screen, he was just a great actor. You watch the movie Glory, you saw, you saw Carrie Ewells, or Ewells and uh, Matthew Broderick sharing the screen with Denzel Washington and, and Morgan Freeman, and it was no question. It was a no-brainer. You saw a couple mediocre actors at best, and Broderick and Ewells, you know, getting blown off the screen by a couple great actors and Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington, etc. There were some other black actors in that movie that were, that were far better. It was a really weirdly cast film by Edward Zwick. Or I don't know if he did the casting. He was the director. But it was an interesting thing about Glory is that it was about, you know, this, this black, uh, uh, what's the word for it? You know, faction group of, of the uh, civil army of the union, the uh, black regiment, I guess, regiment. But they were run by a white dude. They were run by whites because these whites were still, you know, the leading figures in the culture or whatever. And the blacks were free and they could fight, but they weren't going to let them lead, you know. So I get it. Fine. But, I mean, they cast these weak-ass actors as, as, the, as the white dudes. 
that didn't belong in a historical epic, you know, production with the sweeping music, wonderful music by, I think it was James Horner in Glory. Um, the late James Horner, really good um, composer for movie music over the years. This fan, one of, I think he is my favorite of all time. Um, and I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm not certain he did Glory, but I'm pretty certain he did the music for Glory. And um, everything about the film is, is you know, big time Oscar worthy, except those performances by Matthew Broderick and Carrie Oles. And unfortunately, they're right at the center of the film and they take up too much of the time on the film. And it really hurts the film. <laughs> and then when you see them in scenes against, like I said, really obviously great actors uh, like Denzel Washington, it just really undermines the film as well. Because you just say, why couldn't they have cast someone else? Why is Matthew Broderick the lead in this film? What's going on with that? <laughs> and, uh, but my point is, there's a movie that it was a, directly about blacks and whites and all that. But here I am watching it, assessing it based on acting and disappointment in casting. You know, giving props to the blacks and ripping off the whites. So, uh, I'm not a racist person when it comes to viewing what I view as quality. Uh, but I will say this. Here's what I, my point was. And this is, call it racist, but it, it's history. It's my point of history. When I was raised and as I grew up, movies were controlled by white people. And there were black movies made in the 70s. Black exploitation, you know. Uh, but, uh, Quentin Tarantino is famous for talking about how he loved the movies of those days, you know. And that's why he made Jackie Brown and brought back Pam Greer from who was in a lot of those movies to be his star in Jackie Brown, et cetera, and all that stuff. So, again, my lifetime, blacks had, they had their own movies. They certainly had their own music. Uh, they had a lot of hit singles in the 70s and 60s. So, the Beatles tried to emulate them, Chuck Berry, etc. You know, rock and roll really started with black music. Um, so, I mean, my point is, they certainly weren't wilted flowers being kicked into the corner and treated like shit they had their own stuff and we were all exposed to it however however when it came to movies and when it came to cinema for the most part the big hits the movies that got the big publicity the movies that were the even the artistic ones even the oscar nominations for the most part they were white and for the most part the leads in them were white and it, if, if there was a, a black movie, like, let's say, In the Heat of the Night, it was about the racial distinction. And Sidney Poitier played a black man who was, you know, came as a high flute detective coming into a racist white town. And so race was the issue. Uh, and even then, the best actor Oscar uh, went to the white guy. Um, why am I forgetting his name now? Marty. The actor, Potrist. No, I want to call him. Uh, come on, you know who played. He overacts. He's dead now. In the heat of the night. Not Carol O'Connor. That was the actor on the TV series. Come on. You know him as. I have to remember his name. Oh, I can't believe my mind. It's scary. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. But um, it's also. Terrible to uh, be me and not remember. Rod Steiger. There you go, Rod Steiger. He wins the Oscar, not Anthony. Anthony, not Sidney Poitier. So, 
yes, whites were still in power and control too much of the cinema, but that's how I was raised. And women in movies and music were occasional stars, occasional leading actresses of greatness. Occasionally you made a chick flick. Occasionally the movie was leads were all women. Just like occasionally the leads were black. But most of those were called were thought of as black films. Like, oh, that's a black movie. So that the blacks have something to go to see when they go to the theater. And there was a black TV show like... Uh, uh, um, oh, shit. Uh, Fat Albert, you know? There were black cartoons and black TV shows uh, made for the black people. But And then you had to have your token black guy in... Welcome back, Cotter, you know, Washington or whatever played, but mostly it was Travolta and Horshack, and mostly it was the white guys, you know. You had the white guys controlling. You had the women as secondary characters most of the time, and you had your token black characters most of the time. But then you also had your sometime chick flick, women movies, women as the leads, where it was a woman's story of independence, whatever. And then you had your occasional black movies. Uh, that, that, and they, some of them, hey, went to Best Picture nomination and won Best Picture. I think Sounder won Best Picture. Sounder was the story of the dog, and it was a black family, you know, that owned the dog. And, um, so you had those movies. They were out there. It, it wasn't like, oh, no, no blacks, no women. No, we don't want any of that stuff going on. No, you had that stuff going on. You had Robert Altman doing Three Women. You know, you had female movies. And you had some gay subject matter, although that was pretty much like gay psycho killer, gay serial killer victim <laughs> cruising. Uh, you know, Al Pacino goes into the gay underworld to find a serial killer. I think it's a really good movie, though. William Friedkin directed underrated movie, kind of an odd movie, but the gays kind of were up in arms about it because it's a pretty harsh look at what was the gay culture back then. Again, because when you're um, just like the bathhouses and the AIDS culture, well, when you're when you're shunned and you're not quite welcomed into society, you chase them into these environments that are a little seedier and gross, you know. And that's part of the reason they should legalize prostitution and I think marijuana is to is to stop these pockets of our culture that are still dark and unhealthy for women and for and for pot smokers and having to buy pot, find it, you know. Why do we have this? Why do we allow for the criminal element and the seedier element to exist in things that are natural? Sex is natural. If people want to pay for sex, let them. What's the problem? You know, make it healthy. Bring it above into the light. Make it healthy. And same with pot usage. You're not going to stop it. You know, too many people use it. It's It's not a... It doesn't make them see things and become psychotic. It's not... A serious drug. It's no different than a, it's a f- different form of alcohol. I don't like it. I don't prefer it. But the point is, some people really, really do. And why are we making it illegal still? Why are we testing it for testing for it, etc. So I mean, but the point is, so that's what you saw with the gays in the movies back in the seventies and eighties. You did see them portrayed as more like in a screwed up place because they unfortunately were because our culture still hadn't turned enough. To allow them to be viewed as normal and, and live normal lives and healthier lives out in the open and not have to, you know, carry on activities in dark, seedier corners of society where they were hidden. But all of that aside, my point is I was raised on great movies. Really, the 70s is the greatest era of cinema, in my opinion, still to this day. And let's be honest, 70s film lovers. It's a white male age of cinema. It's a white male age of cinema. I mean... All the leads were white men. Women were secondary characters most of the time. 
there were some really good black actors from that era, but they didn't have too many great leading roles. Um, and I liked it, not because of that, but that's what I was raised on, and I really loved it, and it still is the greatest era of cinema. But and anybody, so many film buffs agree to this. Um, but they won't talk about the fact that it was a great era of cinema with white men controlling the show. And now I turn on my TV and all the new movies, all the nominations for Golden Globe, all the new things on Prime and, and Netflix are black movies or women's movies or black women movies. Almost all of them. And I'm just, after the Black Lives Matter protests going on for months and months, after the Me Too movement went on for so long, I've just kind of had it up to here, and I feel I miss. I miss the movies where the leads were just guys like me, white guys. I miss the movies where the subject matter was white people drama. I miss the movies where women loved men instead of hating them. I miss the, I miss the movies where women weren't action heroes and fighting and strong and masculine like Wonder Woman or the, the Old Guard, the new movie with Charlize Theron on Netflix. You know, I, I miss the movies where it wasn't all about women wielding axes and swords and guns while they wear tight pants. I, you know, I, I miss the movies where women still wore dresses and, and skirts and tr weren't afraid to look like women in a traditional sense. I miss the movies where the women were the wives of the guys, not the not the husbands of their own relationships of that are lesbian. I mean, you know, I I, I do. I, I I that's was my life. That's who I am. It suits me, and I miss being able to want what's me. Why do I have to want others when that's not me? Why do I need to be excited for promote and want to see black movies when I'm not a black person? I mean, if I'm watching a black person movie, I feel like I'm stepping on another culture and it's really not my business. Now, they were raised and having white film shoved down their throats for the most part. I get that. And, but like I said, like I said, it's also true that there were black films made back then so that they didn't have to only have white films shoved down their throats. So now they have more of them. Okay, fine. But they're still a minority, aren't they? Why does it feel like every movie that's being made is a black movie anymore? Why do the why do the majority of the nominations for best picture have to be black movies or at least have or have black lead characters? Or even in the case of of uh the the, the trial of the Chicago 7 have a big chunk of the movie dedicated to the one black guy that was made a part of the trial and how they mistreated him and all that. There's still a major racial issue even in that movie. I mean, every movie nowadays, everything, it's about poor black people. Oh, my God, they're treated so awful. It's just so awful. We're so horrible. We should all kill ourselves if we're white. And same thing with all the women movies. It's about, oh, men are such pigs or such. Like, I really liked uh, Promising Young Woman. I think it's a very good film. But, of course, it's loaded with misandry. It paints men as pigs and losers and awful. And it makes them feel just like they're scumbags and disgusting for looking at a girl being fucked and laughing a little or something. You know, you don't have to do it. No, anything you have ever done as a man where you approved of anything that was ever done that maybe might have hurt a woman's feelings, you should have your dick cut off for that. That's basically what's at the heart of Promising Young Woman. But again, I thought it was a good movie and I enjoyed it very much. And I think it's very well made. And I love the elite performance. 
by, I always want to call her Carrie Snodgrass, but <laughs> Carrie Mulligan, I guess is her name. I loved her uh, when she spoke with her actual real English accent in an education like 18 years ago. Um, I loved that movie back in the day. Um, where she has this love affair with this old, much older man uh, played by, oh, shoot, you know. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to remember his name, so I'm not going to struggle for it and waste your time. But anyway, the point is I, I really like Promising Young Woman, but of course that's the movie we get now. Of course. And by the way, it's a female director, and of course we've got female directors nominated. You know, it was only a couple years ago they said, Oscar's so white, Oscar's so white. But now you could be saying, Oscars, where are the whites? You could be saying the same thing, only with the question mark about Oscar, is anyone white? And you could be saying the same thing about uh, television shows with overtly gay people like uh, Eugene Levy's son, Dan Levy. And they did that show. What is that called? You know, Shit Creek or whatever. And uh, Dan Levy is like overtly homosexual in everything he says and does, you know. And I just do this and that and this. And I just, I, I understand gays are part of life now and we're all cool with that and everything's fine. And same with trans. In the movie Promising Young Woman, there's a famous trans black man who thinks he's a woman, who's trans woman in that movie. <laughs> Sorry to insult him. Her, her, her. But her voice is so low that I didn't know anything about this actress. And she apparently was won Emmys for Orange is the New Black or whatever. But I didn't know this actress. And I saw her in this movie and said, that's a dude. That's a dude. By the voice alone in the facial structure. And, and I thought, oh, wow, a trans guy <laughs> in this movie. And then I just, the second time I watched it, because I watched it twice, I looked that up. And I said, yep, yep, that's trans. I knew it without having to know it. I knew it was a trans. Yet we're supposed to pretend that it's a woman. But look, I see it, the person and immediately know it's a guy. But I know it's not a guy. It's a woman. And we all have to call her her. And we have to respect her as a woman. And we even put her in movies and women's roles. And everyone in the movie acts like they all just think it's a normal woman. When, of course, people like me, if they saw them in real life, just like in, in the movie, I would say, oh, that's definitely a dude. Oh, that's a dude's voice. Definitely you know, six foot tall, masculine bone structure to his face. That's a trans guy. Okay. That's what I would say in real life. That's what I said watching the movie. But in the movie, they're all like, oh, beautiful black woman. Oh, woman, woman, woman. And everybody just has to pretend like we all just, of course, accept this trans person as a woman, even though, come on, we all know it's a dude. But that's the society we live in. But why do I have to see it in a fucking movie? Why was that necessary? I'll tell you why, because that movie hates men. So, of course, it loves men who are then women because it hates men. It's a man-hating movie. So, of course, they could have cast, if they would have, they would have cast women in the roles of the men, let alone in the roles of the trans women and the women. They would have cast all, everything but men they would have cast. And only men would have only been in it to have their dicks cut off. But again, it was a very good movie. But that's what you see when you turn on your TV now. You see blacks hitting on white guys. You see whites portrayed as racist and awful and horrible in a black-led movie. And you have to watch blacks and blacks being with blacks and black sex and blacks. It's just all blacks. And I'm like, I'm tired of it. I'm blacked out. I'm blacked out. And I'm not afraid to say so. I, the Black Lives Matter movement went over the top. I got tired of it. It went on too long. They've always had problems with cops. Cops have problems with everybody. Cops are the problem more than anything else. It's not that we have a huge racist problem in America. We don't. We have a huge cop problem in America. 
And they have a problem with black people in particular. Cops have a problem with black people in particular, but they have a problem with white people too. Believe me, trust me. They have a problem with anybody because they carry guns and they take steroids and they think that they can do whatever they want. So we have a cop problem in America and it's hurt the blacks the most. That's the way to word it. That's the truth. And, um, and we have some problems with women on college campuses and in the military and how they're treated. But we also have some problems in the workplace with how women are, how women treat men. We also have some problems uh, in other settings, romantic settings, how women treat men. Uh, we have a lot of bullshit accusations being met against, made against people like Army Hammer, you know, because he was kinky and discussed things that, you know, are better left unheard because it's private things that turn him on. Then he pisses off a few women and then they all join forces against him and ruin his life. Is that fair? That's not fair. I mean, you may not agree with someone's kink, but it doesn't make him abusive. And the women sure agreed with it when he was. You know, he's a very, very rich guy who's also really good looking and he was famous. And they seem to have no problem with his attentions, as weird as they might have become kinky wise, uh, until, you know, he broke their heart or moved on. So I think at the end of the day, we live in a culture right now where it's very dangerous to be a white man. And it's showing itself in the movie selections we see constantly. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I miss the 70s. I want to see some white people movies again. I want to see some white people movies with men as the lead. I want to see... I, I like them. They, were, they, they speak to me best. I enjoy them. I need a little break. I need a little break of watching things all about black people and all about women. I need a little break up from that. You know? And uh, if I want to see uh, different cultures, I'll watch a foreign film. You know what I mean? I like the foreign movies because they, they show you different parts of the world and different cultures. Here in America, I, I, I've, you know, I know a lot about black America now. And I know a lot about women in America. And I know all their little stories and things that bother them and their persecutions. I've seen a lot of that since I was growing up. I saw, you know, same with the Jewish stories of the Holocaust. I watched those movies growing up. They made a lot of them, starting with the movie Holocaust with James Woods and Meryl Streep and everything. To made for television. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm familiar with these stories now. Could we start making some other stories now? And, and, and no, you don't have to make blacks the lead in, in the new story because, hey, we have to. Or else, you know, the people, black people would be upset. You don't have to do that. Trust me, you're all right. <laughs> you're all right making a movie with some white leads still. And no, they don't have to be 80-year-old white actors like Robert De Niro again. Or Al Pacino again. I'm tired of that fucking shit, too. Can we move on? <clears throat> Can we get some younger people? Can we get some newer people? Um, so there's, these are things that are bothering me, okay? It's not just blacks and women and all that. It's also old, old actors, same actors over and over again. It gets a little old. Can we, can we get a little more diversity in terms of who we're seeing as the leads and yet have them be less diverse at the same time? Does that make sense? <laughs> White unknowns. Do I got to spell it out for you? Can we have some white unknowns as leads and actors in movies, please? And um, people with dicks, too. Can we have more people with dicks as the leads again? Can we go back there just for a little period? Or not. Or not. I'm going to do it, okay? That's all. I'm making this podcast to say that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop watching all the black. Because, by the way, I checked out Moon, Moonlight or whatever, that one that, that one best picture in that weird misannounced Oscar win with, you know, a La La Land. Oops, wrong. It was actually Moonlight or whatever. Well, that movie sucked, okay? That movie sucked. And also, I saw Green Book. 
you know, where, where that same actor that was in Moonlight won supporting actor for Green Book. And that movie sucked, okay? That movie sucked as well, Green Book. It sucked, okay? So, uh, and that actor overacts, by the way. That black guy, he's not that great of an actor, okay? I don't even, I don't even, not, I'm not even going to try to remember his name. Tallulah Shakur, something like that. Tamaka, Tututi, whatever. He's an overrated actor. He's got two Oscars, two of them. And I don't think he's a very good actor, okay? So, so can we just stop? Can we stop? Please, stop. I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you an order, filmmakers of, of America. Stop it with this shit. Let's just go back to the white, great white films of the 70s, shall we? Thanks. And if you don't want to do it that blatantly racist, fine. Fine, if you got to still have black movies, got to make a lot of women movies, fine. But I'm not watching them, okay? Whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop watching them. I'm bored of it. I've had enough. I want to go back to the air when, it, when my kind, my race, my gender, was the leads in the film because they were the leads in culture because they still are, by the way. They still kind of are. I mean, white men are still, I think, are still the majority in America, I think. But look, I'm not asking for us to give, be given preferential treatment. I'm just saying what I like, that's all. And I'm allowed to like it. And I'm not being racist, I'm being me. Which is to say, people prefer their own and they allow for everyone else to prefer their own too. That's called fair and liberal and open and loving. But that doesn't mean you, don't, you stop preferring your own. You know, I don't have to want my own to suffer. I don't want to lose jobs I have. I don't want to lose privileges I have. Because I prefer, because um, I believe in equality. No. Let's help others have what they have. But don't take my shit away from me. Including my movies. Don't take them away from me. Come on. I mean, I like what I like. I want, I want more of what I want too. God bless everyone else. God protect everyone else. God help everyone else to, to grow and become popular and famous or whatever the hell they want. Fine. But I also want, as a priority, by the way, my shit that I like, that I want. Because it's my life. So, excuse me, but I'm going to look out for my shit, my family, my loved ones, number one. Take number one. My sons, you know, my family, number one in my priority and me with them. Number one, because this is me. This is my life. So God bless black people and women, but, you know, God bless the women, especially in my family first, before any other women. God bless the women in my family, you know, and God bless boys because i have three sons not girls i don't have daughters so god bless boys before girls for that reason too and god bless white men because that's what my dad was and that's what i am <laughs> and that's what my sons are and god bless women who understand that men are persecuted by women because the women that i know understand that and respect that reality they don't pretend like it's all just men being awful pigs they understand the evil that women can do they understand like a movie like Gone Girl is not misogynistic. It tells true stories that women actually do. Maybe not to that degree, but something along those lines. So they, God bless those women. And they're the women that are close to me. Women that appreciate that Army Hammer is getting a raw deal just because he's kinky, you know. And now all of a sudden he's abusive. Oh, there were some marks on them. Yeah, they were subs. He was tying them up. It's part of the deal. I mean... Try to make it out to be abuse later after the fact, you know, but all these guys, you know, Marilyn Manson's a different story, you know, he did some real over the top abusive things and possessive things and in relationships though, again, they were all still in relationships with him. So that's interesting. 
I still think there's a lot there's a lot of psychological stuff going on when a woman allows herself to be in a relationship, but then years later says it was an abusive relationship. I still think that needs a but but it's it's easy enough to see the things that he was doing and realize that he's kind of a sick guy, you know, kind of an abusive guy. But Army Hammer, it's a different story. Until he actually kills someone and eats them, then then it's a real story. I mean, if you've got some evidence that Army Hammer has actually eaten a woman's rib against her will, tied her down, taken her rib out and eaten it, and then threw her body into a, a vat or something, burned it alive, whatever, then fine. Let's I'll look at that evidence. Until then, shut the fuck up, okay? All right, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, speak my piece on the black and female movie shit mainly because I am so bored of it and I just had to say so. And I, I think it's wonderful that I have the freedom to do so. And you can all hate me and think I'm a racist misogynist if you want, but I think you're fucking out the lunch if you do. I think I'm just a, a, a regular good guy who happens to be white and so likes what most people that are white would like, which is stuff that favors them more. And, when I, and I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice to the others, sure, but to what extent? To what extent? Every fucking movie, every nomination, everything has to be about them now? Do we really have to go this extreme now? Come on. Come on. Please. Please. <laughs> Let's just put the best actors in, okay? Whether they're men or women or, you know, dwarves, like the guy from Game of Thrones. He's a great actor. Let's give him a lead in one of these black movies instead of a black guy, okay? Let's just give the little dwarf guy. All those roles. I mean, whatever. He's a really good actor. Let's, can't we just can't we just favor good actors and good stories? Actresses too, you know. But I mean, does it have to be a woman's story then? If it's a if it's a movie with leads that are women, does it have to tell the story of how women are getting fucked over by men every fucking time? Does it? Does it really? Can it just be a story about a woman? How about a woman villain? I can't, you know, how about the lead of a woman who's a bitch? Why don't we have those stories? And you're allowed to call her a bitch because she is. You're not uh, you know, a woman hater if you call someone a bitch in the movie even because clearly this woman is a bitch in the movie. Like Meryl Streep and Devil Wears Prada. She was a bitch. You know what I mean? So why can't we just have more movies like that? Like that as opposed to everything's a promising young woman spinoff type plot line. I mean, okay. That's all. Take care. Carry on. I love you. Yabba da boopa.